then let's get down to some business. Luke 19. That's where we're at. very first section of this passage says that this man was getting a kingdom. A certain nobleman went to receive a kingdom and return. Now, I hope you understand from this very first verse, the nobleman is Jesus Christ. He has, as He told the disciples, said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. A kingdom. And when I come, I will receive you to Myself. This is who He's talking about Himself. That He will return with His kingdom. I've always thought of a kingdom as like one thing. A kingdom is a large thing. Jesus, it says in Scripture, will be given authority over all the universe. All of it. Plus, what we don't know exists beyond that. And so this nobleman did something, and I propose to you this morning that what he did to his servants, he is doing to us. He is calling them to himself and says, I want to give you each a mina. Please understand, a mina is not a term we use much anymore, but it is a monetary value equal to three months of income or wages. So, you can do the math, you can use your own income, the national average, or the nobleman's three months wages, but whatever amount you want to use there, that is what he gave to each of the ten servants. Now, this particular nobleman had a region that he was over, and nobody wanted him to be their ruler there. Much like the Jewish people when Jesus was crucified, right? He did not want, excuse me, they did not want him to be their king. They crucified him, hung him on a tree, murdered Jesus Christ because they did not want his rule and authority in their life. That's statement in an ugly term, but it's the truth. Openly crucified Jesus Christ. It's a historical fact. It's documented more than any other death in history. Not just in the Bible. Many places. It was a done deal. And it was done publicly. And he says when he gives each of these, he says, you need to do some business. You need to trade. Make some trades with these. Mina. Begin to invest it, trade it off. But here was his command in verse 13. It's on the screen for you. Do business till I come. Do business till I come. Now, in another translation, it says, Occupy till I come. Occupy simply means do business. Be occupied with the work until I come. This is a command. Do you, do you hear that? Yep. It says, do business until I come. He didn't say, I'm giving you this amount of money and you know, it would be nice if you kind of took care of it, maybe invested a little, did some trading, was wise. He didn't say that. He said, do business. You're my servant. Do what I ask. And so, 
When he came later for accountability, remember last week we talked about the three different things we could do immediately and one of those was accountability. Here it's coming back, isn't it? When he came back for accountability, he began to call them forth and to see what they had done with their minus. What they had done with the money. And I think if you would take a look at what happens here, you're going to agree it's very similar to the passage in Matthew that was read earlier. To the first. And by the way, in verse 15, it's where he said he commanded those servants. And then he calls them, commands them again, come back and give an account. And the first one says, Master, your money or mina has earned ten minas. Ten minas. He had one tenfold increase. And the master said, Your mina has earned ten minas well done. Because you were faithful in very little, does he say you will be faithful in much? It's what it says in Matthew, isn't it? It's what it said in Luke 16.10 last week. He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. No, he says, I'm giving you ten cities. <laughs> There's where the reward starts coming in. You've been faithful, good servant. Now you get cities. Not just three months wages. But listen to what he says. You've been faithful in just a little bit. The word very little there is the word that says the smallest portion available. Three months worth of wages is a very speck as to what he wanted to give his servants. And so he says to them, the servants say, wow, we got three months wages, that's a lot of money. To the master, it's a speck. He says, you've been faithful in just a little bit. The smallest amount I could give you and you'd still be able to conduct business with it. And you were faithful. Ten cities. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but managing cities and managing money is a little different. Amen. I've not done a managing of any cities, let alone ten. But here's a man who did that. And the second one says, Master, that mighty you gave me earned five. And he said to him, you get five cities. Now here comes the guy with one. I still got it. <laughs> here it is. I still got it. Nice and clean money. I wrapped it in a handkerchief so it wouldn't get dirty and I'm going to give it right back to you. You have what's yours. Yeah, and didn't I do good? I took care of it. You know, I didn't lose it. I'm so good. I didn't lose it. You know, I, I was so afraid when you gave that to me I was going to lose your money and you'd be mad. that's what he was thinking he was thinking wrong but that's what he was thinking and when he came for accountability did the master tell him wrap it in a handkerchief tuck it away and give me back what's mine when I come back is that what he told him to do what did he tell him to do? 
Do business until I come. Do something with what I gave you. Use it. And what he's going to find out in just a moment, this unfaithful servant, he's going to use it or lose it. I should have called this that, but I didn't. And so he gives him back in the handkerchief, nice little gift box wrapped, so he's thoughtful, you know, trying to be nice and all this other stuff. I was afraid of you. You're an austere or a very severe man. You collect what you do not deposit. And you reap what you do not sow. And I was afraid of you. If a servant does what the master asks, should there be fear? Because the master loves a good servant. There is no fear in love. Amen? Amen? No fear in love. But if you fear, it's because you don't believe you're loved. And he said, out of your own mouth, I'm going to judge you. You're wicked. You knew I was severe. What did you expect me to do? Say, thank you for giving me my stuff back that you borrowed it and didn't use it for anything but to put it on a shelf and keep it? What's up with that? You know I don't just collect what I didn't what I deposit in the bank. I also collect what I did not put in there. And I reap where I do not sow. I am that kind of man. And you knew this. So why didn't you put it in bank? Let it collect interest or something. Use it. Do business with that. And he said to those who were standing nearby, not to that man, take his mina and give it to one with ten. Wow. What a blessing for the one who now has ten. And then he says, everybody who has will be given and him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. But bring these enemies of mine. Those people who didn't want me to rule over them in that nation. Bring them over here. And kill them in front of me. Oh no, Jesus, you're not going to do that. This is Jesus. He loves us. He's not going to bring His enemies in front of Him and slay. He's not going to really want to hurt the devil, is He? He's a loving God. He's gentle. Why in the world would we think that Jesus would do that? Because they don't want His rule and authority and He can't have an unclean kingdom. He won't have usurping or people going in another direction of what He wants in His kingdom. They must be, as Israelites did, eradicate those who are not of God. Eradicate. So in Matthew, the talents, He gives them to the level of their ability. Same kind of story, but this time there's different levels of gifts given out to their ability. And this story in Luke, they each get one. In Matthew, one gets five, one gets a lesser number, and one gets one. And the first two double it. The last one buries it. The one that buried it in Matthew, he tells him he's an unprofitable servant. I want to say, if he had a 5013C, he was a non-profitable organization. 
He was not profitable to the, serve, uh, to the master at all. Now I have a question for you. When you think about your relationship with God, are you a servant? Are you a servant? Amen. Or are you self-determining in your relationship with God and how it goes and telling Him what you will and will not do? What you can and cannot do. He gives according to your ability. And He asks you to do business with it. Now, the business isn't money necessarily this time. It's your talents, your gifts, your abilities that God has given you. And He says, do business with this. But God, I was afraid people wouldn't like me. Well, let me ask you this about Jesus. Is He Lord or just one who saves you when you're in need? Is He the one you really give your life and heart to first and foremost? Or is it just an idea, you know, I'm going to have eternal life and that's what I needed and this life i got to live it. And I'm going to do it the best way I see fit. I've heard that. But I want to tell you something. It's been told by many people who understand how to trade or do business. And here it is. Risk is necessary. Bottom line, risk is necessary. And so if God gives you a talent or a gift, you're going to have to risk that it might not work. I love that. Because we have to risk with our life and our resources. Why? Because we grow outside of our comfort zones. You don't grow in familiar places. You have to be stretched. My wife even gave me some ideas on the way over here. I could stretch a comfort zone I don't want to stretch. Even if it's a bad comfort zone, we still need to grow beyond it. Now, you may not know the outcomes of acting and taking a risk with what God's given you, but you for sure and certainly know what the outcome is of doing absolutely nothing. Don't you? But God, I was afraid. Great! You were afraid. Invest! Do something not so risky. Put it in a bank. It's still going to earn something. Use it. Now, last week we looked at the shrewd business manager and how he was commended for handling his boss's resources. Jesus told us, in that passage last week, that we do not live wisely as believers. This is kind of like a part two. And he said in Luke 16.10, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And if you are unjust in what is least, you'll also be unjust in what is much. And, and I could not see a parallel in that. And I, I don't know if you're with me on this, but... Faithful and unjust don't seem like opposite ends of the spectrum. You're either faithful or unfaithful. Just or unjust. But he says, faithful and unjust. And I said, uh, I don't see how that relates one to another. It should have been faithful and little, unfaithful and little. Or just and a little, unjust and a little. And he didn't do that. And when Jesus does that, he's doing something and saying something that we need to look at. And so, when we're talking about investing what God has given us, and we want to hear Him say, faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much, right? So we need to know what He means by faithful and what He means by 
just or unjust? Let me start with the word unjust. It comes from the word that means just judgment by principles, decisions, or execution. That you have a principle that you act on and you make decisions according to this principle and unjust means that you are making it by bad choices, bad principles, bad execution. Now, faithful here comes from the word meaning objective. That you, you look at it from all angles. You're very objective about what you do. That you're trustworthy to do so and you're examining of it is true. It also means that if you are faithful, someone has confidence or can rely on you. So what Jesus is saying in faithful, that the person who is faithful in little is instilling confidence in the one who asked them to do something. <coughs> That God needs confidence in you when He asks you that you will do it. Confidently do it. And confidence in you that you'll do it the way He asks. Do business till I come. Alright, I'll put it in a handkerchief and give it back to you. Well, I was afraid. Isn't that justification for not doing what God said? Sure it is, but it doesn't work. Justification doesn't mean you're out of the out the hook for the command. Well, I know your commandment said love everybody, God, but you know there's some people I just couldn't love, and you know it was just too hard, and they were mean and cruel and ungodly, and they were going to hell anyway. So God, you know I didn't really have to, I didn't love them, and and so I hope you don't mind, but you know I, I loved everybody else that I could, you know, and, and so that, there you go. There's my justification, and God's going to go nice justification. Sounds really plausible. But I didn't ask you to love most everybody. Oh no, God, you don't understand how hard it was. You're, yeah, you're right. I don't know how hard it was to love the people who persecute you. <laughs> who whip you and beat you and throw crowns of thorns on your head and mock you and spit on you and steal your clothes. I don't know what that's like, do I? Maybe you do. Do you know what it's like to be mocked and beaten and stripped and whipped within a lash of your life? Or are you just having a little tough time because you're afraid people might not like you? They're not liking Jesus. It'd be a good guarantee that they're not going to like you. Even Jesus said that. If you love Him, they're not going to love you. It's expected. Rejection is normal for people who follow God. It's not unusual. It just feels uncomfortable. So, faithfulness instills confidence in the one who's asking you. And unjustness means you make bad choices. So you're either instilling confidence or you're making bad choices for the kingdom of God. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes write these notes and, and I'll put something in here that makes me laugh. And this makes me laugh. You see, we, we tell God, you know, it's just a difficult world. It's a problem. And, you know, I have a lot of problems, you know, doing the things you want. 
And here's what God is kind of saying to, to us this morning. He's saying, it's really not what you want or don't want that's important here. This isn't about that. This isn't about you. It's about the King. Amen. Are you ruling yourself and what you want or don't want? Are you wanting to know what God wants and doesn't want? Uh-huh. That's the question. It's about serving Jesus faithfully by love or by constraint or making bad choices. <laughs> Being unjust. Having a principle or an execution or a decision that does not line up with what you've been asked to do. Jesus is Lord of all. Amen. I, I'm not making that up. If someone does not believe in Jesus Christ, or does not follow Him, but says they believe in Him, Jesus is still Lord over them. Amen. You say, oh no, but if they don't believe, how can He be Lord? Just because a king has a kingdom where people don't trust the king, he's still the king of that kingdom. You get this? He's the king. Whether or not you call him king, he's still king. Does that make sense now? The devils even know that he is Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, you hear a very familiar passage here, and I think you'll like it. Especially in this context. That the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow, whether by will or by constraint, of those in heaven. Amen. We're talking the principles of the power of the air too. They're going to bow before Jesus. And of those on earth, and of those under the earth. What? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and that every tongue should confess. <laughs> I love I love how the Greek is so hard to translate into English. It says that it that every tongue should confess. At one point, when all the people who never thought Jesus existed get to the day of accounting and reckoning, and they see him, they're going to fall on their face before him and go, "Oh my God, you are Lord! You are King of Kings!" You really are who they said you were. That's how they're going to confess. But they should mean they should do it by choice now. Mm -hmm. Rather than by constraint of acknowledging the truth later. Because one day everybody's going to fall on their face before Christ, either worshiping or in fear. And that time, the fear of the Lord is a very warranted thing. So that's what it says. Every knee should bow. Those everywhere and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't miss this. Mm-hmm. To the glory of God His Father. Mm-hmm. Our Father. The Father. Amen. It is for God's glory that we confess Him as Lord by doing the business that He asks us to do. I make a lot of excuses. I tell God why I can't do stuff. I imagine He's up there going, Really? I already made you. I know what you're thinking. I know your thoughts. 
I know what you're going to tell me. Why are you making excuses for what you're not doing? And I look at him and go, well, God, you know, you know I wouldn't do it. That's why you knew I'd make the excuse. You ever had that conversation before? God, you knew I wasn't going to do it. I know you wanted me to, but I just didn't want to, you know? That may be more true than why I didn't do it. I didn't want to. If we truly want something or to do something, we'll invest. Amen. And it's risky to invest. Why? Because what you invest, you don't get back. You get back something different. This man invested one mina, got ten, and he gave it to his Lord and he said, oh, thank you for the ten minas. I now have eleven. Uh, the one I had originally and the ten more. You just bought yourself ten cities, my friend. Amen. That's a good price for ten cities, isn't it? That's a good deal. But I want to tell you something. You don't obey God for what He's going to do later. You do it because you want to now. Regardless of whether or not He does anything later. And all you're asking is that He says at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant. That you were profitable for His kingdom. Whether or not you have friends at the end of your life won't change your status with Jesus Christ. Whether people believe you or not about Him won't change your status at the end of this world. What will matter is if you believe Jesus Christ and and live your life for Him and Him alone. That will change things at the end of your life. So, here's a tough question you may want to ask, and I'm asking you. Do you want someone to rule over you? We usually don't. We got a president, and I don't know if his approval rating is very high or not, but most people don't want him to rule over us. Matter of fact, folks, a lot of folks, when they don't like a president, will say something like this. In a few years, I'll elect somebody else. I'll endure this. Don't want the rule. Don't want the authority. And it's, and it's, I'm not trying to say one thing or another about the president. What I'm trying to say is we don't want someone to rule over so we don't want to have over us. And if we like someone who's over us, then we want them there. And if we love that person, we'll lay down for them. Lay down and die. What has God given you the ability to do? What mina, what talent has He said you have the ability to use? Hear this story, okay? In Matthew, five talents according to His ability. Three talents according to His ability. One talent according to His ability. The person who isn't real confident in what they can do for God, He's not going to expect as much from you. He's just going to expect something. Something. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but if you don't do something, you are doing nothing. Do you know what God has given you the ability to do? Have you heard people confirm it or affirm it or reaffirm it in you? If you don't know, why not ask God or a friend today? That's step one. Ask a friend or God, what are my abilities that you've given me that I can use for your kingdom? A lot of people think, I can't do anything. I had a lady in church who was uh, 
unable to speak well or to communicate well, and most people didn't like this person because they weren't very well uh, kept and they had a mental deficiency. She said, I can't do anything for the kingdom. And I want to. I want to tell Jesus, thank you for saving me. I want to do something. She could write letters. Amen. She could put stamps on envelopes and hand letter the addresses and give it to people who put cards in them who couldn't write or stick stamps on envelopes. And they formed a team. One who stamped and wrote addresses and one who put the card inside and said, praying for you. She invested. You said, well, that's easy. That's nothing for her. It was all that she could do. But she did what she could do. And that's all he's asking, just to the ability God's given you. And some of us are very capable. So where are you taking risks for God's kingdom in your life? Are you instilling confidence or making bad choices with God's resources? And what's the outcome of if you do nothing? (laughs) Verse 27. I don't like this verse. I don't even like to read it. But he says, bring these enemies of mine who don't want my rule. Bring them to me. Oh, to me. Who don't want me to rule over them. And when you bring them, kill them in front of me. Mm -hmm. What the Master says is, Jesus talking, kill my enemies in front of me. It's so ruthless! Heartless! (laughs) No, it's not. What's ruthless and heartless is to not love the one who gave you life and to reject Him as your King. And to not listen to what He says. He says in one place, you call me Lord, Lord, but why do you do that and don't do what I say? Mm -hmm. And get this. Mm -hmm. And and I I don't envy those who have the ability to do this. But there were servants who did the killing. I couldn't do that. That's not my ability. But there are some who can. Do you understand? God is vengeful and accounting will happen. Are you profitable to God today? And are you willing today to get on your knees and take some action if you're not? To repent and say, God, I've I've been spending on other stuff. You've given it. And I said, thank you. But I haven't given it away. I haven't risked. If this is your story, if this is your truth, today is the day I encourage you, I can't even say it strong enough, avoid the sword. Oh, that'll be later. I'm just going to enjoy my life here. And Yes, it will be later. And it won't be pretty. But oh, what could be done? Oh, the joy you could instill in others' lives and in your own. If you would give and risk in the name of Jesus Christ because you love Him. And for no other reason. Not to bless somebody, although that'll happen. But because you love God. 
and you want and desire His authority over your life. Because on the last day, you're going to give an account. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there, there's so many things that run through my mind when I think about giving an account to you at the end of life. And I imagine there are others here today who can reflect and say, God, I, uh, I hope you don't look at this mess right here or the way I've done this. But Heavenly Father, we're not done yet. Our life isn't over. There's still time to invest and do the things we need to do for your kingdom. Heavenly Father, we want to be profitable for you. In our hearts, desire and delight is to praise and serve you. And yet, we find ourselves so often acting contrary. And so, would you this morning help us search our hearts with your Holy Spirit, test us, see us, show us, And read us like an open book, Heavenly Father, the places in our heart where we need to make a new start. And Heavenly Father, if we've wasted it and spent it all away, I ask if You'd be willing to pour out one more set of resources in us that we can use it for Your kingdom and Your glory. And when we come before You, we can say, yeah, I may have messed it up, but on that Sunday... April 21st, 2018, you gave me a new one. April 22nd, Heavenly Father, is the day when I started new. Again. And so I ask you, Heavenly Father, this morning, pour out your resources and tell us, be busy with it. And may we have the courage to say yes. Amen.